another thing that happened with her birth was about four hours after she was born, we noticed some breathing issues. And so they whisked her away and after hours of working on her, actually had to intubate her and transfer her to the NICU, which there's only one mm-hmm. here in Rhode Island. Oh, wow. So they took her by ambulance and I wasn't allowed to go with her in the ambulance. So we had to make a decision. I could either get transferred as a patient to the other hospital, but I'd be in a separate, totally separate wing of the hospital. Hi, I'm Sarah. Welcome to the Juno Women podcast, where I sit down with mamas to talk about their health, their work, their parenting, and all the different ways that they're keeping it together. Juna is a fitness and nutrition app created to help guide you through your trying to conceive, pregnancy, and motherhood journey. Everything we do is designed to empower and support you through one of the most incredible and challenging times of your life. On today's episode, I'm talking to Erin Elliott. Erin had two wildly different births, which resulted in two wildly different postpartum experiences. Erin shares very candidly the way she navigated through recovering from a traumatic birth and C-section, a third degree tear, an awful first poop, and two very tough breastfeeding experiences. But she also shares the beautiful things that came from postpartum as well. I really hope you enjoy this episode. very excited to have you on the podcast today. I think your story is going to be uh, a very good one for people to hear and think about their postpartum experience. So why don't you start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you and who you're a mom to. Sure. And thank you so much for having me. I really am honored to be a part of it. I'm Erin Elliott. I'm a postpartum doula and mama of two. I have a son, Emmett, who is four years old, and my daughter, Iris, is one and a half. And they are both wildly different kiddos, and Mm -hmm. I had two wildly different postpartum experiences with each of them, which is what sort of led me to become a postpartum doula here in Rhode Island, where I live. Oh, so you were not a postpartum doula before before your first kid? No. Nope. Yep. They definitely, after both experiences, I realized that for me, it was something I just wanted to help other women and support other women through because it was such a trying time for myself. And I know a lot of other moms go through that. And so I just wanted to hopefully help a little bit somewhere. So definitely. No, I, I, it's it's interesting. I feel like everyone that I've talked to that has either started their own business or doing something like you're doing, they're like, oh, based on my experience, it was either such a really, a really good experience that they wanted they wanted to continue sharing that with people or they were like, there's a problem with this broken thing and I need to fix it. Right. Right. Yeah. One or the other. Exactly. Why don't you start by giving us kind of the, the short version of your birth stories, just in how they pertain to your postpartum experience. So let's hear about your son, like leading up to your son. Sure. Yeah. My pregnancies were both really great. In terms of birth, I was like the first time mama doing all the the childbirth classes, you know, making sure I read all the books. And I'm a planner by nature. So for me, like I had my detailed birth plan. I knew I wanted a natural vaginal birth kind of early on. So I made sure I had midwives and a birth doula and I just did all my homework. So going into that birth, that's what my expectation was. Obviously, as moms, we know after experiencing it that birth is totally unpredictable. (laughs) And so obviously, most likely, the plan doesn't always work out. So in my case, I labored naturally for 18 hours. I pushed for six hours. 
And we later found out that his head was like in the 99th percentile, but we didn't know that at the time. Wow. And so then after like two failed vacuum attempts, they told me I had to have a C-section. Oh, and by the way, so you had midwives and a birth doula. You were you were giving birth in a hospital. I was giving birth in a hospital, yes. Okay. Yep. So you're giving birth in a hospital. You had two failed vacuums, and then they said, okay, we need to do a C-section. Yep. And when that news came in, it was crushing. You know, I, I mm-hmm. felt like I failed. I felt like my body failed. I felt like it was just this rude awakening that like, oh my God, this didn't work. This didn't work. And it was my biggest fear going into it was having, you know, a C-section. I had never had surgery before then or any type of like surgery leading up to it. So I was just scared. And I think all that natural labor that I did before, it just felt like it was for nothing. And later on, I realized that's not the case, but in the time it felt like that. Yeah. And so when you had the C-section, I guess, like, what was that like? And then what was like the next few days like for you? Sure. So the C-section was actually like once that decision was kind of made, once they gave me like the spinal and the pain sort of melted away, it was actually a big relief. And, you know, I just remember like just everybody being really kind and wonderful in the OR and my husband was there and they like put Emmett on me as soon as he came out. They did like the gentle cesarean Mm -hmm. and uh, it was okay. Like, honestly, I healed really well from that C-section. So in terms of postpartum, you know, coming out of that, I think the hardest part was just like, you know, you're at the hospital longer, you're there for four days. And Mm -hmm. I think it was the new mom stuff in general. It was like, you know, the breastfeeding was really challenging for me. I felt like in the hospital, there's like a lot of different advice you get from nurses that don't always align. And so I just felt like confused a lot of the time. And And I, you know, was still bleeding and I still had all the regular postpartum stuff, but then you're dealing with this abdominal, like major abdominal surgery. So I just had to like, you know, take care of the wound and also deal with the postpartum stuff on top of it. But I think for me, the biggest part about that was the emotional factor in that first birth, because it was about the expectation of what I thought was going to happen and the reality of what actually happened. Yeah, I and I want to go deeper into that, but I just I have a question because you pushed for six hours and and I'm imagining and maybe I'm imagining wrong, so please correct me. Sure, but, but like you, did you even notice that there? Did you have pain there, or was the C, did the C section recovery kind of supersede that? I would imagine that you got both like the shit end of the stick on both sides. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> the pushing for six hours was crazy. Yes, true. I I honestly, I think the C-section stuff kind of outweighed. Like I didn't have any tear. Like I didn't tear because he never actually came out. came out. He was right there, which is why they tried the vacuum, but he never like, you know, came out that way. So <laughs> I didn't have a lot of like, you know, vaginal recovery, but I think it played into later my second birth and what okay. ended up happening there. Because there's a lot of like, obviously when you're pushing for six hours, there's still a lot of trauma that's happening to your pelvic floor. Definitely. Yes. Yes. That, and that, and, okay. So we'll get into that, but let's talk about, cause I think a lot, like you are not alone in the, I think like when whenever I've interviewed moms that have had C-sections that did not expect C-sections that did not want C-sections there's a lot of that like my body failed me and and I think in in the immediate days like there's so much happening emotionally 
in the postpartum period that like then you add that layer and it just gets a lot more challenging. Right, so, right. So tell me a little bit about that for you. Yeah, the emotional stuff was the stuff I remember, you know. I think I think that again it was that expectation versus the reality. I went in with this really high expectation, you know. I really thought my plan was going to work. I really mm-hmm. like wholeheartedly committed to it. And so after all of that, I ended up with a C-section. It was just really hard for me to process. And at that time, I remember that I couldn't even connect with Emmett. Like I couldn't connect with my son because I was so involved in processing what had just happened to me. You know, I had just gone through this experience and I couldn't wrap my brain around the whole thing. And so I didn't have that love at first sight. I didn't even probably connect with my son until months later because it took me that long to really like kind of wrap my head around the emotional part of what had just happened. And I think that was like, for me, the stuff I remember with postpartum. I mean, I mean, obviously there's like, there's the recovery and that's challenging in and of itself. But when you add that sort of emotional layer to it, I think it just sort of exasperates everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I kept saying to my husband, like, I, I don't, I don't feel like myself. That's what I kept saying. I don't feel like myself. Like I felt like part of me was gone. Like this thing I had set out to do didn't happen. And I was like, well, what does that mean? I, I, I just couldn't fathom what that all meant. So I think it was mourning the identity I had like before having kids too. As a first time mom, I think I just didn't realize like how drastically, you know, your life can really change. And so It was just mourning the loss of like my independence before having kids and my like how I defined who I was before having children and figuring out what that meant now and like how my role as a mom was going to play into my life and how I was going to balance all of that. So that's kind of the big thing I remember from my first postpartum experience was just that that emotional stuff lasted a while too. It wasn't something that like just went away after six weeks, right? In the US, I feel like six weeks is like the mark. Right, right. Yeah, but I feel like there's so much more to that. You know, I've, I've unpacked sort of that birth story multiple times in my life. And each time I feel like you learn something different and you kind of rewrite that script and you heal a little bit more and you learn new things about who you are. So there is silver lining to all of that. Like it doesn't just stay with you. No, I'm four years postpartum with my son, you know? So mm-hmm. now looking back on that, I, I'm starting to sort of look at it differently. Did you, did you do any sorts of, any sort of therapy or like, how did you come full circle on that? Yes, I did do therapy. I ended up before we were, we were talking about having my daughter, my husband was kind of ready before I was. And I was like, I, I just don't know. <laughs> and so, you know, I sought out a therapist and I said, I just really need to like unpack this baggage before I like conceive another child. Like I just couldn't, right. I didn't want that experience of that birth to come into play the second time around. I wanted to sort of deal with that emotional stuff that I had to deal with so that I could fully kind of have a different experience the next time. So yeah, I worked with a therapist and it was really great. And, you know, like I was saying before, I think that I've, I've sort of looked at this birth story three different times in my life. The first was right afterwards, which was very emotional and just raw and real. I feel like the second time was during this therapy where I sort of 
tried to kind of rationalize some of the thinking that was going on at that time. That was about two and a half years later. Mm-hmm. And then most recently, when I was training to be a postpartum doula, I had to do a reflection piece. And when I got to that piece, it was like the third time around, it just was different. It was like I did the work as I kept reflecting. There was more power in my core each time, right? Like I realized mm-hmm. I actually had a great birth. Like I did everything I could have possibly done. I did all the positions. I tried everything. We literally tried everything we could. And at the end, that's just the way, you know, he and I both had to experience that. Right. So I've definitely done a lot of work around it. Yeah. And I, and I think that's really important for mamas to know that like, it's just not like an easy thing. Like, it takes time to sort of figure out what that transformative part of your life felt like, you know, because it's, it's a big deal. We're going to take a quick break so I can tell you about the Juna app, which is the app that makes this podcast possible. Juna is the only pregnancy and postpartum fitness and nutrition app with more than 200 pregnancy and postpartum safe workouts. The app also includes a key nutrient to focus on every week. For example, in week 16, Juna recommends vitamin C because vitamin C supports healthy lung development and it boosts immunity and it lowers the risk of developing preeclampsia. From there, we give you delicious recipes that help you get that exact nutrient in your life both quickly and easily. Juna also includes daily diaphragmatic breathing exercises as well as pelvic floor prep to keep things intact before and after labor. We also provide you daily tips to get you through each stage of your pregnancy and are constantly adding more to the experience. Lastly, every week there is a note from me that is relevant to the exact things you're experiencing. These are so helpful for easing any fears you may have as well as preventing gestational Google mania, the sickness where you can't stop Googling every little thing that happens during pregnancy. You can find the app by searching Juna in the iOS app store or visiting juna.co. And the best part is when you enter your due date or baby's birthday for postpartum, the app will automatically place you exactly where you're supposed to be. As a Juna Women podcast listener, we are offering you your first 30 days free. This deal is only available through our website. Go to juna.co, and when you get to the credit card page, use coupon code JUNAPOD, all in caps. Again, that is J-U-N-A-P-O-D, all in caps. Now, back to the show. Now, I have a question because it, it sounds like you, when you got pregnant, you had decided that you wanted to have a natural vaginal birth. And had you thought about that before you got pregnant? Was this something that, that like meant a lot to you or did you start doing the research when you were pregnant? No. Yeah, absolutely. I did the, I knew I wanted it before I conceived okay. my daughter. I just thought like, okay, I, I, that birth experience was really hard for me and I wanted the shot to do it the way that I had hoped to do it the first time. And so I did the research kind of in advance. I knew that's what I wanted, but throughout the journey, I, you know, you definitely have your doubts. Like VBACs, there are some risks involved. And there was times where I doubted that, but I had a great provider that I chose. So I had a totally different experience the second time. I birthed at a different hospital and I chose a different doctor. I had an OB the second time, okay. which it, is uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. So, so let's talk about your second birth. Okay. So my second birth, yeah. So I chose to to birth at a different hospital. Not that my experience was bad. I just wanted something different. I I didn't want to go into that same space that I was in the first time. So I did, I found an OB that I like to call my unicorn OB because he's more like a 
OB with midwife tendencies. Okay. Yeah, they are out there, right? They are out there. So he was wholeheartedly supported my VBAC and I knew I was in the right place. So yeah, I had, again, a great pregnancy there. And then the birth experience was amazing. It was magical. I had the all natural VBAC I wanted. I literally got to pull my baby out and up and into the world. Mm -hmm. And it was probably the most magical, like life altering experience ever. So the birth was was amazing. And it was very like, you know, validating and I felt powerful and I felt confident and it was just a great experience. And then, but she, it it was fast and furious. She was, she came out in four hours from the time I started a contraction to when she was born. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was way (laughs) different than the first time around. So it was a fast and furious birth, but, and I think that led to, I tore, I had a third degree tear with Iris. So that totally led to a different postpartum experience. And another thing that happened with her birth was about four hours after she was born, we noticed some breathing issues. And so they whisked her away. And after hours of working on her, I actually had to intubate her and transfer her to the NICU, which there's only one mm-hmm. here in Rhode Island. Oh, wow. So they took her by ambulance and I wasn't allowed to go with her in the ambulance. So we had to make a decision. I could either get transferred as a patient to the other hospital, but I'd be in a separate, totally separate wing of the hospital and my husband would stay with Iris in the NICU. Or I could check myself out of the hospital four hours after she was born and go stay in the NICU with my husband and my baby. So I decided in that moment... (laughs) to check myself out. So I signed the paperwork and my first four days postpartum was in a NICU sleeping on a hard couch in her room and using a communal bathroom with a third degree tear. tear. Oh my gosh. What would, what was the breathing issue? Was she obviously everything's fine, but everything's totally fine. It was, uh, they honestly don't even really know. They Mm -hmm. thought it was meconium at first. I don't really think that's what it was. I think she came out really fast and furious and she aspirated on some mucus and stuff. And then she, she is great. Yeah. She's totally healthy. So it was just a little hiccup in our journey, yeah. but. <laughs> oh my goodness. And so then your, so your first four days were obviously ugly. I think like I had a three second or I think two second degree tears and my last tear was not, was a stitch and it was fine. But, but yeah, it's the second degree is pretty common. Third degree is obviously a step up. So I guess let's talk about that recovery. Cause totally. I think like when we talk about when like moms will be li- or pregnant women will be listening to this podcast, like no one, they're just like l- looking at the barrel of the labor right? and like comprehending what that like first two weeks looks like postpartum is so far. They're just like, I just need to get the baby out. But like hearing stories like this, I think will help prepare people a little bit more for setting up the help around you and making sure that you have a good postpartum support like network. And yeah, let's talk about your, your first two weeks. Totally. Yeah. The, the postpartum recovery on the VBAC was actually a lot harder physically than the C-section, which is interesting and kind of was surprising to me. I remember the reason why I wanted a a natural VBAC was because of the recovery. I was like, okay, I, I, I want less recovery. I want to be able to like do things quicker. And it was harder for me. I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to interrupt because I, if 
Like that is exactly when I was having my first kid, I was like, I did not want a C-section. And it was only because I like saw my, how some of my friends recovered from their C-sections. And then I had a, you know, a vaginal delivery with a second degree tear, but with um, three thrombosis hemorrhoids. Oh, and I, I couldn't walk. I couldn't move. Like it was, I was, it was debilitating. And I remember being like, nobody tells you how hard vaginal recovery is. It's true. Yeah, Yeah. it's really true. I was shocked. I I think, you know, it's like, it's, it's so hard because every woman's experience is so different. Like some people don't tear and they don't have any real recovery. Like they're just sort of walk out of the hospital and they're good. The next day. (laughs) Right. But a lot of women do. A lot of women definitely do tear. And yeah, it was, it was wild. I, I honestly felt like I was in more pain postpartum than natural labor to some degree because I had a third degree tear. And so there was so much swelling and so much pain. And I've, I've listened to your podcast before. I know you talk about the first poop a lot on here. (laughs) And I had a very similar experience with my VBAC and that actually led to like even more pain. So what happened there was I was like, this was in the hospital, in the NICU that I experienced this. So I was like four days postpartum is like on the third day, I still hadn't gone. And I was in agony. Like I could feel I could feel the pressure. Like it was Mm -hmm. right there and I couldn't poop. And we ended up, my husband had to run to CVS. I called my doctor. He's like, get an enema. And he, this is true love. This is when you know you've found the one. He literally gave me an enema on the bathroom floor of a NICU communal bathroom. Like I I was like, you have to, like, I'm literally, I can't deal with this anymore. (laughs) So he, it was really wild. And so thank God for my husband and he did, and it didn't work. I still was in agony for another, like for hours. And finally I I had to call my OB and I was like, I, I, I don't know what to do. My husband looked at me and he's like, we have to, I have to take you home. Like you're in so much pain. And so, you know, I tried prune juice. I was taking the Coles. I was taking the Miralax. I did an enema. Nothing was working. So we ended up going home and, and basically they said like, you have to birth this poop. Like that's, yes, yes. (laughs) It was wild. And I was like, are you joking? And they're like, no. And I was like, okay. But when I really look back at that experience, it literally was like birthing again. It was like, I had to breathe through it. Like my birth Mm -hmm. techniques and really like mentally get there so that I could like do this thing. It was, it was yes. wild. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that I'm, I'm not glad that you had this experience, but I'm glad that someone else is on here having, telling this experience because, you know, I, I, I could not agree with that analogy more. It was like birthing a poop. Yeah, it really was. And it's, and it's, I remember like one thing that did help was I had to like put almost like counter pressure. Like, you know, when you're pushing the baby out, like they put counter pressure on your, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to try that. So I put counter pressure like on my bum, essentially. That really helped. <laughs> I was like standing over the toilet, like doing like squats. And yeah, it's the techniques that I was coming up with. And and by the way, the one thing I didn't hear, did you try milk of magnesia? I didn't. I didn't okay. try that. Was that really successful for you? That was, that's like my recommendation now to any of my friends is I'm like, I, the moment, the, literally the moment my baby came out the second time, I was like, give me milk of magnesia. Like I, she hadn't even put on my chest and I was like, order the milk of magnesia. <laughs> I need it and now. And I like took it for three days, like small and like, but, but I 
like basically to make sure that my poop was soft, but I pooped within six hours of having her oh, and it was good. soft. And then with my, with my re- most recent son, the first, I like didn't take enough. And so like my first two days I didn't poop, I didn't poop. And then um, on the third day I upped my, my dosage and then I had like diarrhea for a full day. And I also had, you know, I actually had four thrombose hemorrhoids with this last one. Oh my God, Sarah. Wow. And it was, I, I wouldn't wish hemorrhoids on my worst. Enemy. No, I can't <laughs> even imagine. I didn't have that, but I can't, I just can't imagine because the tear is enough and you had some tearing yeah. too, right? Yes. Yeah. The, the postpartum poop though it's just I like I'm like do the collate do all of the things just to make sure that you can have a smooth poop (laughs) 100% I'm with you and then I think the other thing with the tearing that ended up happening with me at least is I had a third degree tear so this this pain that I was experiencing lasted months the initial pain was obviously the worst right you're dealing with the the stitches the swelling just I had to sit on a donut for months Mm-hmm. months yeah. I couldn't sit I couldn't sit down and I was Which, joined- by the way, you're trying to like nurse a baby you're trying to take care of a baby and you like can't even sit comfortably it's a nightmare totally yeah and then you know months later I was still dealing after I sort of basically fully healed right like after my six-week appointment I kept saying like you need to look at it like it just doesn't feel right And there was nothing wrong with it. But what happened was when you have like a a really bad tear like that, you know, they they suture you back up, which makes everything super tight and you get the scar tissue there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I was having painful sex and painful intercourse. And I was like, I this is not how I want to live my life. So this was eight months postpartum. My daughter was eight months old. And I finally like said to my OB, like, I got to do something. And he's like, totally like, you shouldn't live like that. Mm -hmm. So he found me a pelvic floor therapist and it was life changing. It was life changing. I went to pelvic floor therapy once a week for two solid months. Mm -hmm. And and I am now happy to report I am pain-free and yeah. and things are back to, you know, normal. But it was something that, you know, obviously as a woman, like you're something, you know, I kept thinking like, well, maybe it'll get better, right? right? Like it's, yep. it's postpartum, like, oh, and it's not, it wasn't like terrible. It was just like uncomfortable. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, we tried different lubricants and you try all the yep. stuff and the tricks. And I was like, no, I can't live like this. Like, I'm not going to be in pain for the next, you know, 60 years of my life with my husband. Like, that's not fun. Right. So I'm just so grateful for the pelvic floor therapy. And I I feel like, you know, unfortunately, I feel like it's not talked about enough. And women don't understand, like, it's, yes, it's um, common to, like, pee when you laugh or have painful sex after birth. But it's not normal. Like, you don't have to live with that. And pelvic floor therapy, like I, if it, if there's one thing that came out of postpartum for me, it was like, I think, you know, in France, they sort of prescribe it to every woman, no matter whether you have a C-section or a vaginal birth, every time you have a baby, because you put so much, you know, weight on your pelvic floor when you're carrying during pregnancy and then during birth. It's so important to get checked out by a pelvic floor therapist, no matter what kind of birth you had, even if you had no tearing you know? Oh yeah, exactly. And I, I, maybe it's just like I'm living in this world, but it feels more people are advocating for themselves and saying, I need a 
give me a basically refer me to one. Yeah. I, and, and I think more OBs are also doing that too, which is great. Uh, yeah, it does seem like it's shifting, which is wonderful because I hope it keeps shifting in that direction, right? Yeah, it's, it's just, I think I too had very painful sex and I remember thinking it was normal and that this was just my life. And and after, I think it took 10 months and finally it started to feel a little bit better. And then I was pregnant again and I was like, oh my God, I'm just, I cannot go through that again. I don't want to have painful sex. And after my second kid, I, I remember at six weeks, I'm like, give me, I need a referral. I went to an, a pelvic floor therapist and, and saw her for two months, same. And even yeah. now like my son is almost five months, I've been seeing a pelvic floor therapist for almost two and a half months. And I like it's just like, and each time has had like slightly different experience. And so I have, have slightly different work to be doing. Yeah. And that's why I just, I could not agree that it, it is essential for every woman to see a pelvic floor therapist after, because to just think that you need to live in pain or live by peeing your pants a lot. Right. <laughs> it's just, no. Yes, I totally agree with you. I'm so glad you've had a good experience too, because that was my experience. It was like it was like life changing. I was like, this is the best yeah. thing I've ever done for myself postpartum, ever, exactly. hands down. Yes, and for my husband, because I, I say that in like a tongue in cheek way, but he did not understand like why I didn't want to have sex. Like it was, he's just like, I, I get it, you're tired. I'm like, that's that's not it. Every time that I think about having sex, I gear up for being in a lot of pain. Yeah, exactly. It's very hard emotionally to want to get into that state. And that's not fair to you either. I couldn't agree more. It's like, it's very important for not only you, but for your relationship, your marriage, like your, your overall health, you know, even like 40 years down the line, you can have issues if you didn't address it early on. Right. Like exactly. You can have incontinence issues later if you haven't addressed stuff. So I, I think it's really, really important. Super important. So one of the things that we haven't touched on, and I think it's it's one of the, can be the most frustrating, hard, painful parts of postpartum is breastfeeding. So how was that for you? Breastfeeding was very challenging for me both times. So with my son, his latch was like crazy hard and I was bleeding almost immediately. <laughs> I remember thinking like, okay, like breastfeeding's intuitive, right? I got this. <laughs> Not into, not intuitive at all. all. Like so hard, so painful, or at least for me, like my experience was that. And I think a lot of that had to do with his latch was like crazy hard, but, but just like, I remember not knowing, like, it just felt so foreign. The whole thing felt so foreign. And I was again, dealing with that emotional trauma of like, what had just happened with my birth. I'm dealing with the physical, like I just had a C-section, so I couldn't put him in certain positions. Now my nipples are bleeding. They told me don't put him on because they were so bad. So they wanted me to like pump every two hours, take care of this baby, take care of my body, take care of myself. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I was like, what? And also my milk wasn't really coming in. So even once my milk came in, like I never felt let down. I never got engorged really. And he was an eight pound, eight ounce baby. So he immediately, and he's also, by the way, he's four years old and he's in like six teeth clothing, six year old (laughs) clothing still. So he's like just a big kid. So it felt impossible. I, I got home and I was crying all the time about it. It it was leading to like more emotional stuff for me. Like I had the baby blues pretty hard. I don't I don't think I had depression, maybe some anxiety. 
but I just remember thinking like, is this, is this worth it for me? Like we were already supplementing with formula at the time because he needed so much milk that I couldn't, I wasn't producing it. And so I'm like, okay, at a certain point here, I think I lasted six weeks of pumping. Okay. And it wasn't exclusive. We were supplementing um, with formula the whole time. And I just remember when we made the decision to, when I made the decision to, to stop, it felt devastating, you know? It was again, yeah. like another sort of like the stigma around breastfeeding and nursing. Like we all know like how great that is for your baby. It just wasn't something that was working for me. And I felt like the emotional toll it was taking on me was, was not good for, for me. It, it wasn't working for me. And I also, I think it also was hard with the not feeling connected to my son. Breastfeeding to me was not about bonding. Like I never felt that. And I don't know if I didn't do it for long enough. I know some people say you have to kind of like work through that a little bit. It felt like a lot of work. It felt like a full-time job that I just couldn't commit to for a lot of reasons. Yeah. No, I mean, exclusively pumping is a full-time job. It, oh my God. I like I always I, I I hand it out to moms that are committed to exclusively pumping. I'm just like man, because you're it's just so endless. Like yeah. I'm literally pumping when I'm at work. Like it's just I'm like I, I like you have to emotionally gear up to pump. It's just so different. It's a lot, yeah. It's a lot, and like I think you're like you're. I, I hand it to you for even lasting six weeks and, and saying, you know what, this is not good for my emotional health. And I hope more people hear that and say, I don't need to like fight this one out. Right. Fed is best. Yeah. No, <laughs> and I totally agree with that too. Like, it's like, you know, there's such that there's, there is, there's a lot of pressure for women to, to nurse and breastfeed. And like, I think it's amazing when we can do that. And that's great mm-hmm. if that's your choice, but if your choice is to go in day one at the hospital and bottle feed, that's amazing too. You know, it's like, I want women to feel like empowered to like, they know what's best for them and their baby. They 100% do, right? Like we have that intuition and we know what's going to work for us. And there's a whole plethora of reasons why it may or may not, you know? Yes, exactly. And I had a, a very kind of a similar experience with, with my daughter, Iris, although I feel like I honestly feel like we might have been able to make that work had we not had the NICU thing. So mm-hmm. she was in the NICU for four days. I couldn't even hold her. I couldn't hear her cry. It was really hard. And when I was finally able to hold her like four days in, she latched pretty well. And it mm-hmm. seemed to work really well in the hospital. And I thought maybe we can do this. But again, I felt like my milk never fully we were kind of behind, right? We were behind the game a little bit because she was four days in the NICU. And so they like started me pumping, but it just never like felt like it was catching up. Right. And they, you know, said you have to pump eight times a day to get your supply up. And I have a toddler at home now. Mm -hmm. And I remember there's this distinct moment on the couch. I was sitting on the couch. My husband had just taken Emmett outside. It was like a beautiful spring day. I could hear him giggling and like them laughing and playing. I'm sitting on the couch with Iris, like wrestling her to my boob. She's, she's screaming, you know, like the whole thing, right? She's screaming. Mm -hmm. I finally get her to latch. We do the whole session. And it's like 45 minutes later, I'm about ready to like pack her up and go outside so I can spend time with my, my son and my husband as a family. And they come back inside. And I remember thinking like, I don't think this is worth it for me right now. Like I 
don't want to miss out on, you know, my son and I want to be able to do kind of all the things and I want my husband to like bond. I it just in that moment felt like I still had so much catching up to do to get to the point where we could exclusively breastfeed that I sort of gave myself grace and I said, you know what? This just isn't going to happen and it's okay. Good. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I feel like more people just need to say that and accept it. And it's, it is interesting because I feel like there's a lot of people in your life that are also applying that type of pressure. If it's not your husband, it might be your mom. It might be your mother-in-law or whatever it is. 100%. Just, yeah. It, it's just what's best for you. And like all the other voices like are just get out of my head. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really challenging. You know, it's just really challenging to kind of silence that noise around mm-hmm. it and listen to your gut. And, and I'm not going to lie, like I still have some shame and guilt around all of that. You know, I really wish I could have breastfed my babies. Mm-hmm. It was something I really wanted to do and it just didn't work for me. But I'm also really proud of myself for giving myself that grace to say there's other things in life, you know, like this isn't the end all be all. You know, they don't ask you when you graduate from college or become a CEO if you were breastfed or bottle fed, formula fed. They don't ask you that. It doesn't matter. You know, it's no. about raising kind human beings, you know, in this world. Exactly. Exactly. Totally true. Amen to that. <laughs> so what what would you say? Because I, I don't want to make postpartum seem all negative. Yep. What would you say was like your favorite part of postpartum? Totally. I think one of the best parts is that the way that my connection to my husband became after both of my births was something that I will always remember. The amount of respect and love we felt for each other in that moment. I He just looked at me in a way like when I birthed his children, that was so different mm-hmm. than before, you know, it's just this experience you go through together that really brings you closer. It can, you know, and it did for us. And I just remember that and what a great team we were in those beginning days, you know? And I think also like, I mean, there's, there's of course like the babies and the baby smell and the little tree frog snuggles. They're like little tree frogs, you know, when they snuggle up on you. I think there's, and also just, I think now looking back on my postpartum experiences, like kind of years later, just the confidence I feel now as a woman, I really think it was transformative for me in a lot of ways. Like the the confidence that I now see in myself and how I was able to cope and get through that time, you know, and that's kind of a hindsight thing, I guess in the moment, it's not what you're thinking, but yeah. But I feel that way. Do you feel that way about any of your experiences too? I do. And it's, it's interesting that you, I like how you said it, it, it wasn't like, a, oh, now I feel differently. It's just as a human being, I found my place and I am more confident with who that person is than I think I ever could have been having not become a mom. I think I, between like my body image and and what my body can do I think I have a profound amount of respect for my body that like the thought of treating it in a way that I treated it when I was in my like teens and 20s is just it's like a no-go right right (laughs) so yeah I, I agree with that 
Yeah. Um, which is definitely like a silver lining. Cause like it, it, I think a lot of women you go through, I am not one of those people that like loved my body pregnant. It was very hard for me to just be gaining weight and my body morphing in front of me. But like with each pregnancy that became much easier because I was just like, I am being healthy. I know how to, I know how I will, I know my body will go back to what it looked like before. And this is, and it's not, by the way, I do, I think that there's like a shame. I'm, I'm like digressing, but there's like a shame that people, especially on Instagram, put on people for wanting their body back. Right. And I, I'm just like, I don't agree with that. I, I do want to feel like myself again. And part right. of feeling like myself again is losing the baby weight, feeling strong, and then having the body that I had before. And yeah, it may look a little bit different. I may have stretch marks, I have all those things, but I can still want to have my body back. <laughs> totally. I think that's very valid. And I also think it's like, it doesn't always have to be around like, you know, weight. The discussion is about confidence, right? It's about feeling like yourself. Like you were saying, one of the things I always think is like, go buy yourself a great pair of jeans postpartum that you feel like a rock star in. Don't look at the size, but just like feel good about your body and then work towards those goals, you know, that feel right for you. So I'm with you. Yeah. Yes. All right. So let's, last thing I want to, is, is you've gone through this. What are some pieces of wisdom that you could impart on future postpartum moms? Sure. I think putting as much education and thought and prep into the postpartum time as we do with pregnancy and birth, they're Mm -hmm. all extremely important life-changing events. But I feel like in this, in this country, we don't, we don't put enough emphasis on postpartum health and care. And so I'm hoping that after some of these discussions, women start going, oh, this is an important piece. I need to think about this, you know? Yeah. And also that postpartum is not six weeks or even six months. I think it's years, you know, and not in a bad way. And I'm not saying that in like, a, oh my God, I have to go through this for years. But it's again, more about like that discovery. It's It can be a really beautiful process, of self-discovery and confidence and emotional and physical health. But it's not, give yourself grace because it's not six weeks or six months, you know? It does take time. And then I think the biggest thing is loads of support and identifying who your sisterhood is. And that can be men or women, but it's the people who raise you up and support you and who you can be 100% yourself around And identifying those people and then thinking about what their strengths are. So, you know, your mom is, you trust implicitly to hold the baby while you go shower or take a minute for yourself or do something for you. Or you have your mother-in-law who's a great cook. Or you have your best friend who's there to listen, who's the best listener you know. And aligning those people in advance and, and asking for that help before you're in postpartum. Because when you're in postpartum, it's all about survival. You're just getting through the day. But it's like in advance going, okay, mom, when you come over, when the baby's here, I would love, you know, I would love for you to like hold her so I can like go shower and do these things. Like even having those conversations ahead of the baby coming, because these people are going to be your village, right? They're going to be there. And so a lot of times we don't know how to ask how to help and we don't know how to accept help. And so I think it's like doing that work in advance of baby's arrival. 
I, I totally agree. I, it's funny. I, I actually used to recommend to my friends, write like a list of things that you, that like would be helpful for you. Because for me, I am uncomfortable asking for help. Like I, yeah. it, it makes me uncomfortable. So if someone's, oh, what can I do? I wouldn't be like, hey, do a load of laundry or bring over this. Well, have a little list and just distribute it to people and say, these are the ways that would be really helpful. Like you coming over and like just holding the baby while I clean the kitchen isn't helpful for me. <laughs> so. Right. I actually want to connect with my baby. I remember that was like always a thing. Like people were like, oh, let me, I'll take the baby off your hands. I'm like, that's not the space I need. (laughs) Yeah. And I think everybody's so different, right? And like what, what does feel helpful in those moments? Like somebody is going to be like, I want you to fold all the laundry or another person's like, I need you to bring food. Or some people might say, hold the baby so I can go shower. Or some people might say, I want to hold the baby, but you clean. Or you yes. do something, you know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I think that those are some great pieces of advice. Erin, thank you so much for coming on and sharing so candidly. You have such a wonderful story. I'm so glad that you got your magical V-back. Oh, thank you, Sarah. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was pretty magical. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I, I really am honored to be here. I love what you're doing with Juna Moms, and, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, that's all for today. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a mama friend and leave us a review. If you're pregnant, postpartum, or trying to conceive, you can download the Juna app completely free for seven days. The app is available for iOS and Android and is designed to be your guide for all things health and fitness for this very special time of your life. If you have any suggestions for episodes you would like to hear or anyone you think would be a great guest on the show, please email me directly at sarah at Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.